My name is Chris Bear and welcome to the new season on Saturday at 3. Rangers will be back in pre-season next week, so myself and the guys will look at the state of play at, uh, at things. Oh, fucking hell, man. I can't read mine right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're getting a bit rusty here, man. Uh, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. Right, I can do this. I can do this. My name is Chris Bear and welcome to the new season on Saturday at 3. Rangers will be back in pre-season next week, so myself and the guys will look at the state of play as things stand at Ibrox currently. Joining me to go through this, first of all, Kenny. Kenny, welcome back, mate. You all recharged and refreshed? Aye, thanks, mate. I am. I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, new career. Um, no no longer in uni and full-time employment again for the first time in five years. So it's been a big change this summer for me, but I'm, I'm adapting well. I'm adapting well. Just need Rangers to start winning again. Um, and joining Kenny and I is producer Andrew. Andrew, how are you? How's your summer been so far? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, my work's busier because I cover for everyone who goes to go off on holiday. So come the end of the summer holidays, I'll be very happy because that's when I take my holidays. Um, but I'm good. I'm bored because uh, there's no football on, but I'm, I'm looking forward to digging into a bit of Rangers stuff tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as I said, Rangers will return uh, next week uh, to start pre-season and then the pre-season friendlies will start up um, and then that will culminate in the the early um, Champions League qualifiers. Um, we're going to look at the state of play as things stand at the moment and we'll go through, obviously, uh, who's left the club, both in the boardroom and on the field, who's came into the club and we'll look at the potential in and outs as well. Um, I think that's the best place to start um, the, the, the new season. Um, it was us, you know, massive changes were happening at, at Ibrox towards the end of the season. It was a real, a real change had been um, needed, I would say, and it was delivered. Uh, obviously, Douglas Park stepped down and was replaced by John Bennett, and then everything just completely changed as soon as Bennett got the keys. Um, we'll go through them individually in the replacement. So we'll start with Ross Wilson, uh, Kenny. Obviously... Um, you know, much criticised, rightly so, in my opinion. Um, I feel that he failed spectacularly in his job. Um, those who support him will look at, obviously, the Europa League final, 55 in the Scottish Cup. Um, that's over a, let's just say, a four-year um, a four-year stay. Uh, yeah, Europa League final was amazing, of course it was. It was absolutely amazing. I have my own opinion on how that happened, but on the whole, Kenny, two trophies in four years and a four-year tenure as a sporting director just isn't good enough. He left the squad in some state. Um, the squad has now been cleared out by the new manager, Michael Beale, um, and we're well rid. We really are. We've not replaced him yet, but as far as we're aware, the process for doing that is well underway. So, um, myself and the listeners already know your thoughts on Ross Wilson, Kenny, but, but if you want to just kind of sum up his departure as, as uh, quick as you can, because um, I think we've been over this, kicked this dead horse too much now. Well, yeah, we have. But uh, what I would say about that would be that Michael Beale has instantly come in uh, and signed, uh, as, as we stand tonight, uh, five players. Um, that's unheard of under Ross Wilson for a start. Um, we we did 
didn't do our business early at all. We're, we're doing that. I think the mess that the squad has been left in is uh, proof that he, uh, Ross Wilson I'm talking about, ha- had no real uh, grasp of what was required to make Rangers successful uh, on a first-team level. Uh, changes at head of academy, you know, in the academy, you know, again, proof that the the boys coming through weren't quite good enough. Um, all, down, all down to him, so delighted that he's away, delighted to have a fresh start, Chris, um, and the quicker we can move on and stop talking about this guy, the better, to be honest. Yeah, I would agree. It doesn't do much for my health, that's for sure. Um, the next kind of massive departure um, or headline departure was Stuart Robertson. Um, so the, the line is he was stepping down. Um, whether you believe that or not, I don't know. I don't really care because I wasn't a big fan of Stuart either. Um, so he was replaced by James Bisgrove. James Bisgrove was promoted from commercial director to the newly created role of chief executive officer. Um, Andrew, if you want to look at the complete contrasting approaches to the job the the managing director and the ceo is it's effectively the same job just different titles so if you want to have different if you want to look at the contrasting approaches to the job stuart robertson never won for communicating with the fans treated the fans like mm, customers i would say never wanted to listen with his uh, listen to his never wanted to have dialogue with his and didn't take our requests seriously you can look at so many things poor customer service you can look at the the, the malmo ticketing shambles uh you know a couple of seasons ago you can look at the fact we got to Europa League final and they refused to give us a beam back the only team who were in a European final that year not to get a beam back um and his you know his justification for that was our own halt well not halt well effectively they were but he said they were all going over to Seville um absolute you know piss poor um treatment from, from Robertson and Biz Grove has come in straight away and he's held a fans forum um you can see there's a few things um that the few decisions that the club has made over the last couple of weeks uh, since Bisgrove getting post uh, that you can see that he's listening to us. There's talk about stadium expansion. There's obviously the Hamburg friendly. There's there's talk about some more exciting projects. The museum's obviously now up and running. We get a wee update on Walter Smith. Um, obviously uh, the Walter Smith um, statue. Obviously the the website. We'll get more clear vision on how that's going to look and. It's just night and day, the approaches between the two guys. Robertson couldn't care less about us. He's seen us as an annoyance, whereas Bisgrove, right, rightfully so for me, and this isn't me bootlicking Bisgrove, this is me just a, this is me giving an appraisal of the, the very early tenure of James Bisgrove, but straight away he sees Rangers fans as Rangers Football Club's biggest asset um, in many, many ways, and I think that that's quite exciting going forward. Yeah, I mean, we don't need to go over Stuart Robertson's various failings because we've covered that in detail in previous pods. But the difference in approach, you can see very, very clearly. Uh, Like you said, that fans forum thing, the fact that that will be a repeated sort of quarterly thing that they're planning to do throughout the season, uh, regardless of when it will be. So previously, any kind of communication that we ever got from the board was quite ad hoc. It would be reactive. This is like, no, no. We're going to have these repeated, you know, scheduled things that will keep people updated. And one of the biggest points that we had when we were talking about the issues that we had with Robertson and Wilson before was that nature abhors a vacuum. 
the silence that we were getting from them was always going to be filled. Now, that's kind of good for us as a podcast because, you know, we love to fill the silence. It's what we're here for. But the point is, as a club, you cannot set the narrative. You cannot explain why you're doing that thing. And some people may default to the absolute worst case scenario. It doesn't matter if that is or isn't the case. The fact is, if you don't communicate what your plan and your strategy is, people will make the worst possible assumptions about it. And then that turns into the narrative. If you're out there communicating and doing what Bizgrove has done so far, which is setting the narrative, talking about plans for the future, talking up what we're doing in terms of a strategy as a club and as a football team as well. All of this stuff is really positive. It's really good to see. And yeah, I'm very excited by it. It, is, it was a long overdue change, but I'm very glad that it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, our departure from last season, uh, very early into last season, was the head of communications, David Graham. He departed. Um, the reason I bring that up is because that role has now been uh, filled. It's um, Nick Thompson has, you can almost say he was on a kind of secondment, um, falling in that role when David Graham left, and he's now been appointed permanently in that position. Um, Kenny Nick's been around the club for many, many years now. Um, he must be closing in on a decade at the club, even though he looks about 12. Um, he knows the club very well. Um, he's in a very important role. He really, really is in a very important role. David Graham approached this role with robustness. He, he approached this role with... Uh, Scotched Elf take uh, uh, strategy um, in many ways. Um, he wanted to make enemies of many people. And listen, that's not a criticism of David Graham. I, I think that he got things right in some respects. But the, the problem with, with Graham's tenure was for me, when he got things wrong, it was quite spectacularly wrong. So, what I'm looking for, Nick Thompson, here is I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for him to reinvent the wheel. I'm not looking for him to put the boot on our enemies. I'm looking for him to tick along very nicely and not to be mentioned because if he's no mentioned between now and the end of the season, he's doing a very good job for me. Don't make it the Nick Graham, uh, sorry, the Nick Thompson show. Just protect us at all costs and do your job. That's all I'm asking for. Um, and do you know what? Let's let's see what happens. I totally agree. Couldn't agree more with you. I, I, again, I don't know the, the boy particularly well, but... Um, by all accounts, fantastic lad as well. So good luck to him. I hope it works well for us and for uh, for him. Um, what I would say is what you about what you've said there is um, that job, as you said yourself. There, see if you see if nobody knows who you are. You're doing a fine job. Yeah. You're doing your job right. You really are. Um, just protect us. Uh, uh, do what you do and what he's been doing already. He started very well. So good luck to him. And by all accounts, came across very well last week, didn't he? So, mm-hmm. good. Yeah, delighted with that, as I said. Same with uh, most of the appointments that have come out, So you know, that have been announced so far. Been delighted to hear most of them, I have to admit. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, Craig Mulholland left, uh, head of the academy. Um, actual rumours that he's going to go down south with, with the aforementioned Ross Wilson at Nottingham Forest. Um, by all accounts, Craig Mulholland had... Uh, Sometimes when people leave your football club, you hear the the saying, nobody had a bad word to say about the guy. Um, I will be honest, uh, anybody I've ever spoken to, nobody had a good word to say about this guy. Um, so in all respects, it was the right decision. The the academy has stagnated a little, in my opinion. It needed a fresh approach. And 
you know, if the rumours are believed to be true, the Craig Mulholland approach is more authoritarian than anything else, um, and we can't have that culture at Rangers, and maybe that is what's led to a stagnation. Who knows? Is obviously all conjecture, but um, a new approach was certainly needed in that department of the football club, and he's been replaced by Zeb Jacobs, um, who was already at the club um, at youth level. He was a guy that um, the board identified before Stephen Gerrard left. Michael Beale apparently had uh, a big say in this. Um, and, and obviously, um, he, he arrived shortly after Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was appointed. So he's got a promotion. I don't know much about the guy. He's very, very young. Very, very young for a role like this. Um, still in his 20s, I believe. So, look, he's Dutch. You know, the Dutch approach to youth football. You can actually look at Gio uh, in many ways. Um, his approach to youth football, he handed out many, many debuts. He put a lot of faith in the, youth, the, the, the young boys, rightly or wrongly, by the way. Um, and I do expect to see... Actually, this is putting the guy under some major pressure, but you know what? You're, you're going to get that when you're the head of any department at Rangers Football Club, but I expect radical changes and I expect to see them come to fruition. Not straight away, because it's impossible, but certainly in the next 18 months, I expect to see the the, the fruit of his labour um, show itself uh, in, in many ways. Um, and obviously, the only way that we can see that as fans would be in the in the first team, unless you follow the youth football. So I do expect that to be his remit in 18 months. And uh, I, I've, I've got confidence that although he doesn't have the track record, but um, I've got confidence in the fact that he can deliver because he certainly will have all the tools and resources at his disposal, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly an area of the club that uh, Michael Beale himself is going to be very interested in. You know, that's that's where he got his start um, as a coach. So, you know, what we've seen a lot is uh, people who have been at the club for a long while. I'm I'm fairly sure that Craig Holland at least dates back to 2012, if not prior to that. So he, uh, he was there under Walter. Yeah, so he's been there for a long while. So the the fact that um, you know we we've ousted him, or he's just, he's decided to get another role, um, and we're we're kind of trying to change some of that philosophy. That's only a good thing um, because you know we've been doing this approach with the youth academy for a long while now, and it's produced a couple of good players. Um, you know, we've seen obviously Nathan Patterson is going to be the one that we'll always mention. Billy Gilmore came through the academy as well. Uh, but those are the two big success stories that you can point to. And unfortunately, as well, they're both players who are no longer with the club. So we have a couple of promising uh, prospects who are still there. But in many ways, you can look at Alex Lowry as mm-hmm. an example of bad management by Greg Mulholland, the fact that he was allowed to grow an ego, the fact that he was allowed to maybe get a wee bit above his station. Now, listen, this isn't me having a boot into wee Lowry here. I understand he's had some personal difficulties as well, but in a professional, um, if we're just going to have a professional conversation about Alex Lowry, the football player, he himself must know he's not kicked on. He himself must know he's made mistakes. I expected a big season from Lowry last season. It was an utter flop, but obviously there's, there's obviously some mitigating circumstances there. Yeah. But yeah. Craig Mahon should have had him in a tight leash, and that clearly wasn't the culture at the Rangers training centre, and that's why that's been allowed to grow into a big problem. I think with an, an academy in a position that we're in where we we are not the top dogs in world football um maybe reputationally but not uh, in terms of resources that are available to us what we need to be doing in that academy system is identifying key prospects players that not only can we develop into first team players maybe not even necessarily for us but for other clubs and then turning them to assets that we can either sell 
or put into the first team and make them key first team players. Now, our academy has not done that successfully. But as you say, Chris, Alex Lowry will be one of those players who we identify and go, you've got the talent. We can make you into a first team player. But here's going to be your training regimen. And instead, it felt like he floated around between the B team, trying to get fit there, picking up an injury in the last minutes of a nothing game. And then he's ruled out for a good chunk of the season because of that and doesn't really get a shout at the first team at all. So you need to be in a position where you identify those assets and protect them and you ensure that their pathway through to that first team or indeed out to the, out to the wider footballing world and to, you know, being a sellable asset for us. You want to make sure that journey is as smooth as possible. So I, I think it's clear what needs to happen. I mean, <laughs> All, uh, across the entire club, really, it's obvious what the end result needs to be because you can point to the last few years and say, well, don't do that, make it better than that. And, you know, you can only hope that um, that Zeb is the uh, man to do that. As you said, he's also someone who Mick Beale has worked with in the past before. He knows him and trusts him and he likes his philosophy. I think with an absence of director of football right now, I think that will absolutely just be conversations between Michael Beale and James Bisgrove uh, determining what the footballing strategy is for this football club right now. And I think that's very good because it means that you have a linked, clear strategy throughout that entire footballing department. And I think that's only going to be a good thing. Uh, Kenny, do you work in one now? Yeah, uh, what Andrew's said there is he's made a great point. Uh, you know, that transition between B team and first team, it hasn't worked. It's just clearly not worked. It's probably why we've pulled out of the Lowland League for next season. Um, what we're going to do, we don't quite know yet. But what I was going to suggest to you is that, again, with what Andrew had said about uh, the academy not working particularly well, put it that way, um, our academy has not worked at all, actually. I can look back, I'm older than you guys, as you know, but I can look back 25, 30 years um, easily on this and look at the kids that we were producing back then. Very few of them were good enough to play for Rangers, but most of them were good enough to play Premier League level by the time they were 20, 21, 22. Uh, and we would move them on for 300 or half a million quid or whatever. Um, we, we have a real issue here uh, because if you actually look at the way academies work these days, now we'll go to the very elite and the the Man Cities and the, the Chelsea's, and they, their academy isn't even necessarily about bringing players through for Chelsea. It's about making money. Mm. Do you understand what I mean? It's about making money. That is a, a, a an entirely different, almost like a franchise of the football club, their academies now. And we have to, we can't emulate, emulate that. By all accounts, um, our uh, academy budget, or Craig Mulholland's budget, last year was about a million and a half pounds. That's excluding players' wages to go and try and grow these players. And I'll ask you, both of you, how much money did, did we bring in last year on selling players? I, I don't think it was much at all. Um, we're not doing it. So that is a waste of a million and a half pounds. If you can't get a single player um, moved on properly or on the fringes of your first team properly. And then we could point to Leon King last year and say that that's a reasonable success. But that's as far as it goes. And we have, um, it's one of the biggest areas that we have 
uh, an issue with. We have to resolve this and start producing players at that 17, 18, 19, 20 age that start progressing into professional football players because we are not doing it correctly at all at the minute. And sorry to interject, it was just something that Andrew said. I'm quite passionate about it. I just think we fail miserably at it at Rangers. I really do. No, I'd uh, be hard-pressed to disagree with you. Um, and the final uh, departure, well, it's not a departure because obviously I get promoted, but it, it certainly created a vacancy which was filled was James Bisgrove's old job as commercial director and he was replaced by Karim Varani, um, who was previously um, in a similar role at West Ham and by all accounts done a decent job there. Um, there's a few red flags for me with, with Karim. Um, and it's something that James Bisgrove, uh, James Bisgrove, sorry, has spoken about. It's but certainly these forums. He admits that mistakes were made with certain partnerships, uh, the crypto um, partnerships particularly. Um, and one of the kind of red flags with Karim, not to start off with a negative here, but it's, it's certainly worth a discussion, was he made a deal with West Ham for a crypto company that were actually seen to be ripping people off, including West Ham fans. And it was very much criticised for that, rightfully so. Um, so I'm hoping that James Bisgrove's experience in the role um, at Rangers, uh, in particular there, will, will actually help Kerem and will guide Kerem into making the, the correct decisions. I get that money's money and we have to make it. And the job that Bisgrove done in that department was fairly outstanding if you if you think about it, um, albeit some the caveat there is he made some bad decisions, uh, not financially, but certainly PR-wise, uh, some bad decisions, which he's fully admitted. Um, so Kim just really needs to take pick the ball up where uh, Bisgrove left and then try and run with it a wee bit further, see what we can do. I feel that as a brand, as a premier Scottish brand, not even a football club, as a, as a footballing brand, as a UK brand, I, I still feel that we're quite light in blue chip company partnerships. I, I feel that all these sort of kind of local companies that we're a, a partnership with, it's great to be partnered with them, of course it is. I'm all for that, but I feel as if we're missing some really big, big partnerships there, and that's the next level, and that's that's got to be Kerem Varani's um, remit here. Get us tied up with the big players now. Um, Bisgrove has gave him a foundation to build upon. Kerem can go to these big companies with the data for, for these companies. Look what we've done for them. Look at the ex- exposure we've given them. Look how much money they've made in the back of this, etc, etc, etc. Right, so we've got a body of work there. Do you want to come in with us now? Um, and that's it's just simply uh, has to be the job. Kenny, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, listen, his CV is very decent. Others no get away from that. I understand uh, the issues he had at West Ham, but at the same time, he did a very, very good job at West Ham, Chris. The, the commercial activities down there were, he, he, I can't remember exactly what the figure was, but he more than doubled it um, uh, easily as well. He did a very, very good job down there. Um, look, it's one of those things that uh, I, I tend to agree with you in terms of blue chip. We, we've got to get top top drawer uh, names to to brand them to brand themselves with us. I understand that it's difficult, but it's not impossible. Uh, the simple fact is, you'll have a target. You'll have to reach it. Uh, that target will be higher than it was last year. I've no doubt in that. Um, he, he, he's a confident guy by all accounts. Um, he'll he'll be 
how would I, I'm trying to say, you, you're right, with Bisgrove there having done the job already, uh, everything that he does, Bisgrove will see, Bisgrove will be able to steer him clear of certain things, saying, look, locally that's not going to work or whatever. Um, but fair play to him, good luck to him, because um, I, I do agree with you, it's, it's getting that attachment for us with blue chip brands that has now become a vital uh, ingredient to our success. We have to generate much more money than we're doing at the minute. Um, and one of the simplest ways to do that is to be successful on every level. And that's a commercial level is very, very important, as you know. Absolutely. Uh, so if we now look at the most important area of the of the football club, which is obviously the, the playing staff, um, as we all know, there was five quite high-profile departures. Ryan Kent departed, as did Philip Palander. Alan McGregor looks like he's retired. Scott Arfield and Alfredo Morelos. Kent has signed for Fenerbahce. Palander, he's training with Malmo at the moment, still not officially signed there. McGregor, as we say, it looks like he has retired. Scott Arfield is signed for Charlotte FC over in America. And Alfredo Morelos is still without a club. So big personalities, big players, um, fairly successful players. Uh, so you know, it's that was that was the first indication that change was on the on its way. That Bill really didn't mean business here. Was not surprised by any of them other than Ryan Kent. That that one really did surprise me. Uh, I have to say, I just I'm I'm not impressed with Kent's departure at all in many levels from Rangers and Ryan Kent. I think uh, Rangers let the fans down. I think Kent let the fans down. I think Kent let Rangers down. But I also think that Rangers let Kent down. It was just a shit show, and it should never, ever be allowed to happen again. He who shall not be mentioned, um, his mistakes have got to be a platform of how not to run a footballing department when it comes to the contractual side of things, because this should not be allowed to happen at Rangers Football Club ever, ever again. Um, Andrew, I'd imagine you would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, from from a purely financial perspective, you let two of your biggest assets run down their contracts to leave for bugger all. Now, is there a question about some of the players' application? Definitely in the case of Alfredo Morelos. Um, you know, he was in a position where he got, uh, in fairness to him, his first serious injury that kept him out for a long period of time, but he did not come back fit. He didn't sort himself out and didn't come back well. Ryan Kent, on the other hand, is a player who at times has thrived on confidence at Rangers and for one reason or another, just did not hit any kind of form throughout the entire last season. Now, we as a team did not really hit any good kind of form at all throughout the season, apart from after the entrance of Michael Beale. But even then, it was relatively fragile. And unfortunately, we didn't win any particularly meaningful games during that, that period. But you did see an improvement in a certain number of players. And... As we talked about before, when Michael Beale came in, he was in a position where he thought he could rebuild some of these players in terms of their confidence and in terms of their form. And I think Glenn Kamara and Ryan Kent were two of those players, both of whom did not show any particular improvement after the entrance of Michael Beale, both of whom I suspect Kent's obviously already gone, Glenn Kamara I suspect will go over the course of this transfer window. And they were assets who... If we had an understanding that they were not going to improve and were in fact going to be a detriment to the team, they should have been moved on earlier. So I'm also very proud of you, Chris, for you know managing to keep his name out of your mouth. It's it's good. It's healthy. It's healthy. It's like shows growth. So I'm, yeah. I'm proud of you. 
So Rangers uh, have made a quite early start here in, in the window. We had a few players signed before the window actually opened, and we've had a few players over the line in the ten or uh, ten or so days that the window's actually been uh, open since. Um, it's we'll, we'll go through them in no particular order because I'll, I'll be honest, it's, it's it's hard to keep track of who, who signed uh, when and 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 whatnot. But I, I think the first one uh, was pretty much to John Sterling. Now, it's obvious that this boy, uh, I beg your pardon, actually, I think the first one was Kieran Dowell, but we'll come to him in a minute, but the John Sterling, if we just stay in him for a moment, um, comes from Chelsea, has had a, a career in the Championship, really, uh, with, with loan spells. I think he had one in the continent as well. Um, Bill quite clearly knows the boy. By all accounts, seems very versatile, can play centre-half, right-back. I've heard rumours that he could actually fall in at left-back if needed. Um, yeah, I, I get the... I get the the, the sentiment behind the signing, you know, is he's a versatile player who can step in um, when needed, especially if he can play in all three positions across the back line. You look at the boy, big physical lad, um, over six foot. The one thing that I will say about him, I think technically he's nowhere near the James Tavernier level, I would have to say, but not, not many will be, of course. But defensively, I think he'll be a wee bit stronger than Tav, so that kind of evens that out. But Kenny, from watching the customary YouTube videos of, of, of new signings, this boy loves a tackle. Um, and that, that that will get him time from the Rangers fans. We we, we love players that, that love to get stuck in. My fear is he also looks as if he can overstep that mark every so often. And he could easily, very, very easily and very, very quickly be targeted up here by opposition players and obviously referees. So... I hope there is a maturity there from the boy. As I say, I, I don't know anything about him other than what I've kind of seen and read. But it's both a positive for me and, and a slight concern um, because, it, as I say, he loves to get stuck in. But I have seen instances where he has probably overstepped the mark a, 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 a few times. And that, for me, is, is a worry because we know how we get refereed to a different standard in, in Scotland. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, but he'll realise that very quickly and he'll get told that very quickly as well, Chris. I've got no real concerns about this boy, actually. I think he's, uh, to a certain degree, a kind of uh, utility player. I think he might well, uh, if we're playing with a flat back four, I, I, I would imagine he'll be back up to Tavernier. If if we play with a three at the back, uh, I could see him perhaps being a member of that, you know, three centre-half uh, trio, if you like. Um as you say, he can fill in. Um, he's got power and he's got pace. Uh, I have seen a little bit more of him than you have, I think, because I, I watch a fair bit of the championship just because I'm a geek that way. Um, and he's, he's he's decent, Chris. He's a decent player. And I haven't seen huge amounts of him. I'm not going to pretend I have because I haven't. But uh, from what I've seen of him, he, he seems a very solid young player. Uh, he's a He's a proper unit, he's Bassey-esque in size, he's very quick, he's very strong, he does love a tackle um, but he can pass a ball um, I think you're doing him a wee bit of a disservice when you're talking about his technical ability he, he, I agree with you oddly I don't think he's got James Tavernier's ability, you know, on the ball but he's he's a very decent player, he really is, so I, I'm quite excited about that one, I've got to be honest. Yeah, um, just the, when this conversation was actually taking place with yourself, Kenny, and you were obviously 
um, brought up a good point about backup to to James Tavernier. It, it actually reminded me that uh, Matej Sikowski has actually left the club also, um, which means that the 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 January splurge of four signings to take us to fifty six in the Europa League, um, he's the last remaining one to have left the club. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time on Zikowski here, but uh, Andrew, I'll bring you in. It's just a waste of time, man. Another terrible, terrible signing. You know, I was genuinely upset when you reminded me that he was still one of our players because I was convinced that when we sent him out alone, we'd sold him. (laughs) So, I mean, it shows the impact that he had. I mean, he was never going to get into the team regularly ahead of Tav. I think that's fair. But you only need to look at how he's performed in the games that he came in. I think he played against Annan once, maybe. He actually did as well, by the way. He did, he did. But it was Annan. I mean, Chris, with your dodgy hips and me carrying, you know, a couple of extra bits of timber, I think we'd probably make a fair shift of it against Annan as well, you know? Like, and I think the contrast is against someone like Adam Devine, who, when he came in, really showed... Exactly. He showed showed the passion and showed why he wanted to be involved in it. And to the extent that I'm not particular, like, I know that we would not get the same level of player if we had Adam Devine playing instead of Tav, but you you see how he slots into the team and how effective he can be. So, you know, Zukowski going out, no no big loss as far as I'm concerned. It actually goes back to what we were talking about with the youth. Uh, exactly. The lack of trust, the, the lack of progression. We had a boy there on Devine who, let's be honest, he was like a raw prawn when he first came in and he, he looked very slight and then you seen now oh, this this boy's actually like something about him he's no he's not going to go on and have 300 rangers appearances and and win many titles with rangers of course he's not hey um, now it's early days chris you never know i mean it could be in humble pie but you know it'd be the sweetest humble pie i've ever ate if i'm wrong here but um he he, he would have done Devine would have done, and instead we spent quarter of a million quid on a guy who just clearly wasn't good enough. And uh, yeah, look, I'm really trying my hardest not to mention his name, so let's move on. But Andrew, I'll stay with you uh, because we obviously seen Kieran Dill and Norwich as your English team here. So um, I'm kind of flinging you under the bus here a wee bit, but if you, if you want to kind of come in here and maybe give us a wee bit of insight on on Kieran, uh, because I'll be honest, again, I don't know much about him. But offline we had a discussion. Um, totally get your point here. Um, Again, I'm really, really not finding you under the bus, but I get the. Thanks, pal. I can feel, I can feel the butt coming here. You know, uh, you can actually, you can feel me revving the bus. <laughs> um, so the point you made, and it's completely justifiable, is he played more games for Norwich last season than Todd Cantwell, and look at the impact that Todd Cantwell's had. I, I get that, but I think there are different situations or, 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 or scenarios there with each player. Um, but by all accounts, he, he played in the Premier League with Norwich. Showed up fairly well, played in their championship winning teams. Um, again, showed up fairly well, and then look at his pal, what his pal's done. So I, I get, I get the logic behind it, but he's just not someone I know a lot about, to be honest with you. Um, I get he's probably got an eye for goal, which we are needing, but is he going to get in, in front of Ryan Jack, Nico Raskin, even John Lundstrom, um, and obviously the returning Tom Lawrence? I don't know. I have my doubts, but again, it's another handy option to have, I guess. Well, that's it. I, you know, again, not to pull back the curtain too much, but this was part of a chat we were having before we started recording. And I think the argument for me is, can we trust him as an option off the bench more than what we had previously? So before we had Glenn Kamara, who came on once, I think, and that was in the last game that we had at Ibrooks, And I think that was pretty much a farewell under Michael Beale. 
the pedigree that Kieran Dow has, obviously coming from one of the greatest English teams ever, <laughs> is, uh, is is such that you know I, I think he will have been a player that Michael Beale knows. He will be a player that he has a good idea about what he can get out of him. And it's it's a squad's it's a squad game. Uh, you don't just have a starting eleven and then that's it um, with maybe one or two extras as subs. You need a squad of players and you need all of that squad to contribute. It's one of the reasons why, unfortunately, the team the other side of the city have been so successful because when they turn to their subs bench, they're bringing on players who are still potent. Kieran Dow, for me, is someone who looks much more potent in terms of being a midfield threat than someone like Glenn Kamara did. Uh, and I, 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 again, this is all speculation. This is all early days. None of us have any idea how well these players are going to behave. You know, we can look at Wikipedia, we can look at Transfer Market, we can look at all the YouTube clips in the world. We have no idea how these players will actually perform because playing for Rangers is totally different than playing in almost any other environment. So I'm very optimistic about this because, you know, so far of the Norwich boys to come in, Todd's done me very proud. Um, and, you know, I want Kieran to keep up the record here. And frankly, he can only be better than the last Kieran that we signed uh, as a first-team player as well. So I'm, I'm hopeful, you know. Who was the last player that we signed named Kieran? I can't think. I was going to go for Rob Kiernan because it's like close, but you know, you, know, you kind of kind of get where I'm going with that one, right? Who? Uh, Rob Kiernan. <laughs> the action I was looking for, Kenny. Thank you. <laughs> well, when you're saying, you know, the last player that was called Kieran... And Rob Kiernan isn't called Kieran. Oh, Andrew. Look, we've, all, we've, all, we've all had a drink, Chris, all right? I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm a bit rusty. It's the first one back. What the hell, man? Let's start with you throwing me under the bus here, Chris. Let's not uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, this is a dog eat dog podcast. Um, Andrew, I have to say, in many ways, when, when you actually look at it kind of um, objectively, he's replacing Scott Arfield. So that, he does fit. Sure. He fits the bill. Well, and. I mean, I, I talked about this repeatedly on, on last season's podcast. I love Scott Arfield, always have. Um, but I wouldn't ever have him starting a game because he could never, ever make an impact as a starting player because for whatever reason, he just didn't have that ability. And he could absolutely make an impact off the bench, and he did so famously and gave me you know, some hilarious memories last season. You know, One of the few bright spots that we had in that, in that prior season. So... If he's a player who's coming as a central midfield player to replace Scott Arfield, as you say, then again, I think it's an upgrade because it's a player we could probably turn to and say, you're starting tonight and not have a genuine worry about it. So for me, it's an upgrade on on what we've had. And that's what we want to have this transfer window. Um, just moving on. Uh, I mean, I could have took you to task there, Andrew, but your um, Scott Arfield chat there. But I, I don't mm-hmm. think, I think we'll just leave her flinging under the bus um, to another episode, um, perhaps. Um, it's a long I, season, Chris. We've got plenty of time for that, all right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Kenny, this is the one player that, I mean, I'm, I'm 50-50. Most of the new players, are, I feel that we're strengthening the depth rather than strengthening the starting 11 so far. But I get that the window's still got time to go and the starting 11 strength will pick up, hopefully. It really has to, let's be honest. But this one guy that we're now going to talk about, certainly 100%, strengthens the starting eleven. These are the players I want to talk about. I, I, I mean, no disrespect to the, the, the two the two boys there, Dill and Sterling. I don't expect them to make much of an impact. Um, they will be handy to have around. They will help with the squad depth issues. Um, and if they're going to be major players for us, fair play to them. Fair play. I'm hardly going to be angry, am I? But this player um, 
he just improves us in every way. Um, Jack Butland, I mean, this is an upgrade. Uh, listen, I know he's had some difficult years um, previously, he lost his way. He was the next big thing coming through in England, uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, highly, highly rated as a young boy. We need to remember he still is fairly young for a goalkeeper. Um, he is coming here uh, with a point to prove. And what I like about the Butland move is that I know he's got the ability. I also know that he has, has he, he, he will have moments, but that I'm fine with that because it's he's going to need some time to get those moments out of his system because of the lack of game time that he's had recently. And I'm willing to be patient because I know his quality will, will come through. I know the team will rise to the top with this one. I'm so, so confident with this. Um, but as I said, what, what gives me the most amount of confidence is Jack Bolton could have sat in the Man United bench for the next four years of his life on 60, 70 grand a week. And he chose not to. He chose to come up here and he chose to win trophies. Um, and that for me is rare. Very, very rare. Especially for an English um, footballer. And especially for a guy who has admitted that he is a Man U fan, he had the dream job, Kenny, of being the best supported Man United, uh, the, sorry, the best paid Man United supporter in the world. He could have been that, and he chose not to. If Rangers come to me um, and they offer me seventy grand to sit in their bench every week and watch football, watch them play football, Kenny, I'm not turning that down for anything. So fair play to Jack Butland He's came here with the right attitude, and um, he's obviously going to be an upgrade on McGregor. I, I, do I think McGregor at his peak was a better goalkeeper than Jack Button? Yes, but McGregor over the last couple of years has not been at his peak, and he's been more detrimental to us. And this this is a this is a complete and utter upgrade for me. I agree. Um, I, I think it's one of those signings that you know if you it was it was well documented, wasn't it? It was getting talked about a lot, and everybody thought right, he's coming, he's coming, and then there there, there was this rumor that Man United had offered offered him a deal. Um, and you just think there and then, well, that's not going to happen, is it? As you say, he's a Man United fan. He's got the opportunity to sit there for three years or whatever, four years, whatever it was. Um, and look, he's a, a quick kind of recap of the guy. He's six foot five. He he was the next big thing in England a number of years ago, say about what eight or nine years ago. Um, he's had a fantastic career. He's, he's played a lot of games. Um, he is a tremendous goalkeeper. He is a a, a a goalkeeper that commands his six yard box for a start. He's he's a great shot stopper. He, he's he's built enormously. I wouldn't particularly want to be taking a penalty kick against him. That's for sure. Um, he, an all round top goalkeeper that we've signed, and I, I'm very much like yourself. I am very much uh, convinced that he'll be a, a roaring success. You know what it's like as a Rangers goalkeeper. You can sit there and do nothing for 85 minutes and then you'll have two saves to make to get to make sure that you've got a win or one save to make to make sure that you get your win. Um, his concentration levels over the years have been brilliant. So he, if he can adapt to that, um, obviously different from playing for Stoke, for, for example, where, it, you know, you will... Uh, in that league, it's much more end to end. Whereas at Rangers, he he will have far less, you know, shots to save. But he better save every single one of them. That's that's the remit up here. Um, and yeah, I I am totally with you on this. I think it's so far for me. It's the it's the best signing out of the five that we've made in terms of yeah that that's a proper proper talent that we've signed. It was a problem position for a few years now and. 
to be a goalkeeper at Rangers, you need to get it right. And I think we've got it right here. Um, look, he doesn't. He's not perfect. We know that there, there is going to be flaws to his game. There is going. We will need to have a certain amount of patience with him until he gets up to speed with some things. Um, but he he's he's here for the long haul, and he he's going to surprise a lot of people. And what I will say is, um, and and this is to kind of calm those down who are against the move because there is some. There is some who are against it or maybe a wee bit dubious about it. Jack Butland is the type of goalkeeper that if this move fails for him at Rangers, uh, if it just doesn't work out for him, he's very, very attractive to just about every team down south. He's an England cap, he's homegrown, he's at a good age. We're going to get three, four million for him if it doesn't work out because the teams in the Premier League need a goalkeeper like Jack Butland to be either the second choice or the third choice for the quota for the competition and for a guy that's experienced enough um, just in case they ever need to step in from Ernst. So look at Scott Carson. Scott Carson's 38, 39. Still getting new contracts with Man City. Jack Butland's j- just 30, 31. Um, we will make money on Jack Butland either through good form or bad form. Um, so it's it's not even a gamble for me. It's it's a it's a fantastic sign. It's one of the best signings we've made in a long, long while for me. And I will double down on that. I really will. Um, I, I'm the first to look at any negatives with new signings pro- pretty much because I've been conditioned to um, with, with the state of the signings over the last two years. But with Jack Butland, it was all positive. So I'm I'm I'm, on, I'm totally on board. Um, and I'm sure you are as well, Andrew. Yeah, no, you know me, Chris. I'm Mr. Negativity. <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I think Butland's a great signing for us uh, because, you know, he'll provide good competition for Robbie McCrory. Uh, who obviously were our first choice keeper. Look, <laughs> as as a, as a player, it, it's a no-brainer. And, you know, as much as we don't like to compare ourselves to the team over the other side, um, it's the same kind of model that we had, uh, that they had with Joe Hart, where, you know, they signed a player who'd maybe taken a couple of dings in terms of their reputation, but fundamentally was still a good player. So bringing in Butland is a, is a really good shout because we brought in a keeper on a free who, as you say, will likely make us money in the future. It's a no-brainer. Um, I think it's a great move. Uh, the fact that Butland has, in all probability, taken a pay cut to come to us shows that he He's wants to do this. 100% right? taking a pay cut. 100% yeah. taking a pay cut, yeah. Exactly. Um, and, you know, sit on Man U's bench um, to, you know, watch their games, be paid handsomely to do so. That seems like a pretty sweet gig to me, but he's shown that motivation to want to come and play and he's been given the number one jersey. He's coming in to replace Alan McGregor, who's got a reputation that extends far outside Scotland. Uh, So he's motivated to prove people wrong, to show that he deserves that first team slot. Um, So, yeah, I'm very excited about it. I think it's a fantastic signing. So, yeah. The next guy that we've signed is uh, Sam Lammers, a striker uh, from the Serie A. Uh, we've signed him from Atalanta. Um, you know, he had, a, he had a good season with Herenveen and Eredivisie. Uh, get quite a, quite a good few goals there. And then, well, let's be honest, let's just call it for what it is. Since then, he has completely lost his way. He's had a few loan spells here and there um, in the continent. He was actually on the bench when, when Frankfurt beat us in the Europa League final. Um, and then obviously get his move to Italy. Um, he's he's no he's not had a great record, a great goal scoring record over the last three four years. Um, I've seen some clips of him. I've seen you know some nice play and stuff, but 
At the end of the day, this one, I'm uncomfortable with this one, I will be honest. It's a lot of money. We've spent a lot of money on this guy and I do not know what we're going to get. Um, I'll be honest, uh, Andrew, I'll come to you for this. I don't I don't see the joined up thinking here. I don't see where he's going to fit in. People have been telling me that he's going to replace Ryan Kent and then you hear his interview where he says he's not a winger, he's a goal scorer, he's a number nine. And you think to yourself, you've not been doing very well with the old goal scoring over the last couple of years, but... He fits a certain model of player um, that Michael Beale seems to really like. A guy who's maybe lost his way a little bit and he can bring them back round and, 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 and find their best form again. Now, if that works, it's a genius move. It really, really is a genius move from Beale. Um, and we all hope it does work. Of course it does. But the price tag, the risk involved, I'm a wee bit uncomfortable. That's all I'm going to say. And I hope the, I hope the big man proves us wrong. Um, but Andrew, I know you're far more positive on this one than I am. I think at this stage of the season, you got to be positive because we've not played any competitive football yet or indeed any friendlies either. We have no idea how well he's going to slot in and we don't know what kind of team that's going to be around him. We're 10 days into the transfer window. So I think in terms of the players that um, we've got in so far and also the players that we've been linked with, which I think we might come on to discuss later on, I think the way that we're setting up is... You're maybe having a striker and then a shadow striker sitting behind them. So kind of similar to how we were playing at, po- at points last season with Cholak and then Sakala, where you would have big guy up front who you expect to score the goals and the guy behind him who helps set those up. Lammers, I think, is going to be in, in that latter mould. And I think, realistically, even if you are saying that he's the guy who's bringing in to replace Ryan Kent, he's still got a better record than Ryan Kent has got. So... I don't know. It, it's, it is an interesting one. The scoring record is obviously a concern. Uh, you can't get away from it. But ultimately, Michael Beale's backing himself to say, I can turn things around with this player. I can make things work for this player. He's out of favour. He's not in the best form. All of these things. We've seen in the past that Michael Beale has managed to turn that around for players. Todd Cantwell, player who lost his way, fallen out of favour. He's come in and was arguably our best season. Uh, our best player of the season. So I think ultimately, until we see this boy play, until we see what he can do, we have to have an element of faith that he's being brought in for a reason. We do not have ourselves in a position where we have the director of football foisting players onto a manager and there's no communication. We have not signed this player for no reason. This is part of a strategy. It is someone that the manager obviously wants. So he wants him for a reason. Let's see how it goes. Absolutely. And uh, the final the final signing so far, because there will be more, is um, Abdallah Sima uh, from from Brighton on loan. Now, this is... Kenny, in many ways, you can say that he kind of falls in the same bracket uh, as, as Lammers. Maybe not as uh, drastically as Lammers, but lost his way a little bit um, after a very, very good spell at, at um, Slavia Prague. He, he played in that infamous game. Uh, the, the, they played at Ibrox um, we all know what happened that night but he he, I, I will be honest people say he was the standout that night I don't remember much because the standout for me over the two legs was the the, the Romanian boy um, for, for Slavia but similar, he comes with a decent pedigree here, um, I think this one will work, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that this one will work the concern I have is it's, you know, the, the, no option to buy don't really understand it. Uh, Kenny, you made a point. Obviously, Brighton look to make profit on these players, which means that they signed them for £7 million. So that means that 
the the option to buy would have to be eight. Um, I would have still put that in because if he rips it up up here, we're not even going to get him for eight. Brighton are going to demand fifteen to twenty if if he really has a really really good season, especially in Europe. So I think the the logical thing for me would to put to have put that clause in the contract anyway. Um, but for me, it's just another case of he's going to break our heart because he'll probably have a good season. I have no doubt about that. But he's going to be at a price range next season where we'll all be desperate to keep him, but it, it, it most likely won't happen. So that's the only negative, which is get absolutely nothing to do with him, uh, the, the boy himself. So we can take that out and uh, just look at the positives. Just enjoy the lad whilst we've got him. Yeah, and I hope he does well. But I, I tend to agree. I was a little bit disappointed that there is no option to buy. But as I said to you in the in the chat earlier on, that when you stop and think about it, you're saying make it eight million. It wouldn't surprise me if Brighton were quite insistent on making it twelve, thirteen, fourteen million pounds, um, because they are making bucket loads of money on all their signings at the minute. And there's no shame for this kid to to not get into that Brighton team. Um, he was injured all last season. Um, uh, when he went on loan to Stoke, I think he only played three or four games. That was it. He was just niggling, injury, niggling injuries all the time. Um, but when you've got uh, Matoma and Crossart in front of you, then there's no shame in that. They, they two are a top, top drawer, those those two players. Um, I can't really remember him much at Slavia Prague. Oddly enough, those those games have kind of... I was too busy celebrating winning the league at that point to, to <laughs> strangely That's remember cool. many of them. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I genuinely don't remember. I, rem- I remember bits and bobs, and obviously the 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 stuff with Glenn Kamara, and I remember the uh, the, the Kamara roof incident at home. Those were both at home. I remember bits and bobs of the away game. I can't really recall too many players, um, but having done the usual uh, quick look at him, he's rapid for a start. He's big. He's strong. Uh, he's quite technical. He's got good feet. Um, he's like a uh, he's a bit like fast as a caller, but looks a bit better actually uh, on the, the the videos. But that's unfair to fast and Sakala because he plays on a different side for the start. But um, look, uh, 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 he's he's young. He's twenty two. He's an international player. Um, as you say, a little bit disappointed that we couldn't get something organised with a, a possibility to buy the kid if he does well. But doesn't surprise me when you're you're dealing with a Premier League club that's had the kind of success um, when it comes to signings over the last two or three, four years that they that Brighton have had. They've just been ridiculously good at uh, picking guys at 17, 18, 19, 20 and moving them on for fortunes very quickly. Chris, so good luck to the kid, that's what I would say. He's a, he looks a good player and I think he'll score goals. And just the point that, you know, whether it's, I know we're going to come on to this, but whether it's Danilo or Dessers or whoever that plays with uh, this kid, uh, Sima and uh, Lammers, I think they'll be interchanging, Chris. I think there'll be three and they will all be changing all the time. So I'm not necessarily convinced the one will be an out-and-out nine or two will be, you know, they'll be playing with two and one and all that kind of stuff. I think they will change all the time uh, and he looks very adaptable he can come in off the left he can play through the middle so yeah I'm delighted with it but as you say we a bit disappointed we couldn't get some kind of option on him yeah absolutely um, we quick chat on rumoured um, signings there's, there's three players in particular one 
Uh, Jose Cifuentes, uh I mean that that's that's been rumoured before. <laughs> um, it's it's been going on all summer. It's actually turned into a bit of a saga. Hopefully we can get that tied up sooner rather than later. This is a boy who I think is desperate for the move. I think his social media activity, albeit he's come out and said he was hacked, that old chestnut. Um, no, he clearly wants the move. Um, I'm not actually under. I'm not sure what the the stumbling block is here because uh, LA are not asking for the world, so I think Rangers are pretty much agreed to pay the fee. Um, probably it's a bit of back and forth between Sefentas's uh, agent and Rangers, but that this one needs to get done uh, pretty pretty rapidly for me. Um, it's it's dragging on too much now. If he's no willing to make a decision over the next week or so, uh, I would just move on to a different target because. Um, I fail to believe that this is a guy that is worth chasing this long um, without having a plan B, because uh, we really have to be having plan Bs and plan Cs here. So for me, we need to get this one done sooner rather than later now, because it's, it's getting quite tedious. Um, as I say, the, the hold-up for me is, I just don't understand why there is a hold-up. Um, unless this boy's wanting ridiculous amounts of money, which obviously I'm, I'm completely against. Um, but it needs to be realistic for Rangers as well. but. Um, Andrew, I suppose what I'm saying is just move this on a wee bit quicker. Look, this, this boy's been playing for LA Galaxy, man. He's used to that LA lifestyle. He mm. probably has to be had an education that Glasgow's not going to cost him quite as much, you know. Um, look, I don't know the reason for the for the length of um, of delay, but as as much as this pains me, Chris, I have to agree with you somewhat. Um, but um, we are less than four weeks away from our first friendlies. Uh, Ideally, you'd want all your players in by that point so that you can start playing all of these new players together, seeing how all the squad's gelling, seeing how they all perform in training, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've got three and a bit weeks until until that you know kind of deadline, if you like, is reached. Obviously, the window's got a ways to run, but it would be good to have uh, this player in, if he is a target, by that point. So... Yeah, I mean, it, it would be good to get that deal done. I do like the look of him. Uh, you know, he went to LA Galaxy for $3 million, which, you know, is some mark of uh, of skill or, or value, I suppose. So, yeah, it, it remains to be seen what happens with that. But, yeah, it, it, I, as you say, Chris, like, uh, it's basically put up or shut up, make the decision. Because I think for once, Rangers are perfectly willing to pay what LA Galaxy are after. It might just be a question the players uh, desire to uh, trade up LA for uh, for Glasgow. I can't think why that would be though. I feel if you ask me if that was a stumbling block, I know where I would rather be. Um, obviously LA. <laughs> no. uh, the next player that we've been linked with quite heavily throughout the summer is uh, Cyril Dessels. Um He is in the Serie A, well now Serie B. Cremonese uh, is the team that he plays for, but they've just been relegated. Um, this is a guy who's not had a particularly great last two years, but the the seasons prior to these last two years, uh, he's got a very, very good uh, scoring record. Um, the age of the boy, he's 28. Um, he'll turn 29 in December, so that's a bit of a worry when you look at the amount of money that Cremonese are, are asking for, because um, what they are asking for is quite frankly ridiculous, but I understand their stance on things. They want to try and recoup as much money as they possibly can on because they spent big on him, I think it was seven million. Um, so they're wanting to try and get as close to that as they can. It's just not going to happen. We're just not going to spend that amount of money on this boy. Um, the alternative target is Danilo from Feyenoord, um, and apparently they want seven million. Now Danilo, 
is considerably younger. He's just came off the back of a title-winning season with Feyenoord and the Eredivisie, uh, 15, 16 goals last year. This is a guy who is he's, he's a real commodity here for, for Rangers in, in many ways because we spoke offline, Kenny, where I said, when was the last time we signed a player who's just come off the back of a very successful season for the club that he's been sold from? I can't actually think of an example. Um, maybe Scott Arfield is a good example because I think he, uh, I'm pretty sure we signed him in the back of promotion with, with Burnley, but it's not exactly what in the Eredivisie, is it? So this is one that really excites me. For me, we part Dessels. We get Dessels if we can get him in a decent fee, and I think the, the rumour is a loan deal uh, is what we are now looking at. If we get him in for that, great, but you also go for Danilo. Danilo has to be, the fact that we're going for him shows that the door is open and Feyenoord are willing to obviously sell him at the right price. Don't take the piss. Deal with Feyenoord as best you can. Um, try and get as close to that valuation as best you can. I think we've lowballed them, which is going to annoy them a little bit and, and, and in many ways we actually annoy the player because the player is willing to move as well from what, we, from what we've heard. And if you're going to make quite insulting bids, um, that might, the player might be like, so you don't want me then? I'll, I'll go somewhere else. So the door is clearly open here, both from... Feyenoord and the player and the fact that this is a possibility this excites me Kenny, this has got me aroused here, I'm, I'm you know, you've got my full attention here Rangers, do something, now I understand the argument that look, there has to be the art of negotiation, of course there does, absolutely there does I don't want Rangers just, you know flinging money about here, there and there when the money is quite scarce, I get that but be realistic and I have to say our opening offer, I don't think, is realistic. We have to look at this guy's pedigree, his current pedigree. Well, not this isn't a Sam Lammers or a Cyril Dessers or even an Abdullah Sima where we go, uh, a couple of years ago, they had really good seasons and the last couple of years they've lost their way. We're talking about this guy's just off the back of a very good season, a title-winning season in a top league, and there's a possibility we can sign him. Let's do the deal and let's get the deal done quickly because there's no way Rangers are the only suitors and... and the, 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 there is another concern, Kenny, I think it was you that raised it uh, privately with me um, about Brazilians and Scottish football never works out. And I totally get that because you look, there's, there's three big examples, obviously two with Celtic, one with Rangers. It was uh, Rafael Shea, Janino and uh, Emerson at Rangers. Um, I'm not even going to include Emerson Kribari, by the way. I'm just not going to include him at all. But th- those are three guys that were actually capped by Brazil. Um and Janino and Emerson actually done really well in the English Premier League with Middlesbrough. So they came here and they just flopped. So maybe there is a kind of cultural thing with these Brazilian players, but I'm willing to take the risk. And I know the risk is quite financially heavy, but this is a, this is the first potential signing we've made that's really, really excited me, like properly excited me, because this guy, uh, he's got the potential to, to be that kind of 25, 30 goal striker that we've been missing um, since... Since Kenny Muller, really, and I'm talking about Kenny Muller second spell, not not Kenny Muller third spell. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, I, I, I'm I'm kind of stuck between the two, between Danilo and Dessers, because from what I've seen, I actually strangely like the look of Dessers more, and I don't know what I can't say. There's a reason for that. It's just a preference, if you like. But at the same time, it makes more sense to sign the younger player. Uh, who you can build, you can you can grow him as a player. Um, one thing I would say, you do realise that Sam Lammer scored more goals in that league the season he left than Danilo did, don't you, Chris? Uh, did uh, Sam Lammers win the league, though? No. 
But he's, he's still scored more goals, so. though. You, you will owe me a crate of beer, by the way. You will. <laughs> There's no doubt in it. <laughs> but no, go back to Danilo. Uh, st- strangely, that I, for all that I look at Dessers and I really quite like it. I was really quite excited when we were linked with him when I did a little bit of homework on him. Um, I don't know what the, the issue with that is, um, where we're now apparently still expected to go in with an offer by all accounts, uh, but we have put an offer in for Danilo as well. So are we actually looking at um, perhaps trying to sign them, the pair of them? And that would be quite an exciting front line that we would have all of a sudden. Um, I don't quite know. Um I'm not quite as excited as you about Danilo. I think he, he looks a fine player. I think uh, I totally understand what you're saying, and I totally agree with you when you, you you're saying that you know you know signing a a player that's that successful uh, the season before we haven't done that for a long long time. Uh, you know scored a lot of goals last season. We, we they cost money, and I agree with you in terms of the the, the kind of potential of low balling uh, low balling uh, the offer. Um, just upsets everybody and you don't want to be doing that um, there'll come a point you have to be reasonable, you have to understand that you've got to negotiate but you also then have to be fair to your manager and say we, he needs players in can we uh, negotiate elsewhere with other players and just bite the bullet to a certain degree to get his number one target in in a particular area and I, I'm getting a little bit bit frustrated with, with Rangers with this already this summer with you know what seems to be slight low balling of, of offers and I, I, I don't really know what else to say about it I'm, I'm really quite excited about the pair of them, uh, they both look fantastic players, both would do a, a very decent job for Rangers I'm not particularly concerned if we only get one or both well, what one we get if we only get one but if we could get both I would be totally uh, delighted I really would but the boy Danilo does look a fine player, Chris, yeah. Yeah. Um, so just rounding off, a couple of players that um, are still at Ibrox, but I feel expect to be leaving um, in the next couple of weeks. There, there, will, there will be players leaving that are not on this list um, because I, I think that we'll get a few offers for some players that we just can't refuse. Um, maybe talk about fashion Sakala, but I feel expect Sakala to be part of the plans at the current moment, but that's obviously subject to change. But for me, these are the certs that are going to be leaving. Um, Antonio Cholak, Ravi Matondo, Glenn Kamara, Scott Wright, Ben Davis, Borna Barisic and John McLaughlin. Now, Borna Barisic is an interesting one because he's talking about a new contract. Um, the cheek of it, I just don't understand that. Now, if Rangers are seriously going to give Borna Barisic a new contract, then I I, I don't know where to go for here. Uh, I really don't. Uh, Borna Barisic is everything that's been wrong with Rangers the last, certainly the last season. Um, people will say, I said that he's probably one of the ones that had a good season. I, I, I just fundamentally disagree. Um, he's he's not got the mentality to play for our football club. Technically, he's good, but we need we need mentally strong players. And Borna Barisic has shown over his four or five seasons at Rangers that he is not that. Um, John McLaughlin is decent backup, but uh, I believe it's now Robbie McCrory's time, and Jack Button is clearly the number one. Um, so McLaughlin, we shake hands, we move on. Ben Davis, it's just no what. Um, if we go into this season with Ben Davis as a, as a centre-half pair in McConnell Goldson, I'm going to be extremely worried. Ben Davis is just fundamentally not worked. He's not suited to the, the, the Scottish style of play. Um, fine fine football player, but when it comes to the rough and tumble of the Scottish game, he cannot handle it. And I'm sorry, but you need to be able to handle that. Scott Wright, uh, moving on. Glenn Kamara. Uh, listen, I'm very, very sad about Glenn Kamara. 
the way his career has went with Rangers over the last 18 months. I don't think it's any coincidence that since his boys have left, and I'm talking about Aribo and uh, uh, Bassey, you know, he was very, very close um, to, to Calvin Bassey and Joe Aribo. Since they left, his form has completely dipped, um, and I, I don't think that's any coincidence. Uh, Kamara was one of my favourite players, but unfortunately his form now has dipped that much that his value has also dipped. But if we get between five and seven million for him, for a, a guy that costs us 50 grand, it's, it's great business. Rabi Matondo, I just don't see any future for Rabi Matondo at all. Um, I, I just, for me, I, I don't think he's worth another chance. I, I really don't, um, because I've just not, he's had a year he shows, um, and I just don't see it at all, unfortunately. And if we can get anything close to the what we paid for him, we just simply have to take it. But knowing Rangers, he's probably going to get shipped out and loan, um, which I just hope isn't the case. If if, if Matondo's going to leave, it has to be in a, a permanent transfer. And finally, uh, rounding up here, Cholak, for me, uh, just is not a Michael Wheel player. And I think you can see that with the players that we're looking at. Dessers, Danilo, Lammers, um, yeah, they probably don't have the natural finishing ability of, of Cholak, but they are all very mobile guys who will be in and around that box, but also tracking back and also pressing. And it's just the complete opposite of Cholak. So I think Cholak's time is done at Rangers. We'd be very surprised to still see him. Um, Andrew, I'll come to you first, mate. I'll obviously, give you a list there. Cholak, Matondo, Kamara, Wright, Davis, Barisic, McLaughlin. Uh, do you disagree with any of them there? Any you want to fling into the mix? I think of that, the only one I can maybe see a, an argument for is Cholak, because... I think injury aside, he had a very good season for us, scored goals. Um, I agree with what you're saying in terms of how well he fits into a Michael Beale system. But what he does do quite reliably is score goals. And we are a team who are severely lacking in goals. And the players we've brought in so far aren't players who (laughs) score a lot of goals. So there is value in having a player like that around the squad. Uh, You know, we've, we've gone through this before in terms of third choice strikers. That might be a bit of a step down for someone who came in for nearly two million quid. But I think he's a valuable commodity in terms of what he can do, probably more against lower league teams. You know, I'm talking about guys who are going to end up in the bottom six of the league, who in the past we've struggled to break down and we've struggled to beat. Having a player who can score goals against them and do so reliably is something that is, you know, severely underrated. So... He's the only one out of your list who I can see a strong argument for staying. Borna Barisic, for one, I agree with you in terms of the mentality thing. I I also think he did have a good season, but we are now in a position where we have a player we spent nearly three and a half million quid on who has looked better in terms of both his defensive work as well as his forward play. Admittedly, it's coming in a part of the season where there was nothing to play for, but He's eight years younger than Borna Barisic is. And we've just brought in a player who can play left back and right back. And also we've got a player in Adam Devine who has shown he can capably fill in that position as well. So holding on to a 30-year-old player in that kind of situation doesn't make sense. No disagreements with any of the rest of the list. Uh, ben Davis is one I can see maybe hanging around until we get a decent transfer fee for, just because of the outlay that we put out in order to get him in. But he's the only one I can see hanging around. And I don't think it will be because we're playing him regularly. I think it will just be a difficulty in terms of getting him shot. So, yeah, I, I can't disagree with the, any of the list. Apart from... I can't believe it. It's not been that bad. You don't want him shot. 
<laughs> that was definitely Skype cutting out. Uh, I said getting shot off him. Uh, you know, definitely didn't want to execute any players. And for anyone legal listening, of course I didn't. Oh, you went rogue now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like I, I agree with the list uh, pretty much entirely, apart from Cholak for the reasons that I've said. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kenny, anyone you want to add? Any anyone you disagree with? No, I don't disagree with any of them actually. Um, if anything, I think. It wouldn't surprise me. Any of that squad, if they get decent offers for any of them in that squad, they'll consider it. Um, we we want to rebuild their squad completely. So for me, everybody's for sale. Every single one of them in that squad. And oh, 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 Kenny, just just calm. Uh, apart from Todd. Ah, right, okay, okay. And we need you to, can't get rid of our beautiful Todd. Come no, on. I'm not going to. Um, but uh, being serious for a minute, the the, the issue is that we have to get rid of a number of these guys. Um, I, I like Borna Barisic. I've stated it many times on here, but I totally agree with the period. I certainly agree with what Andrew said. Keeping hold of left makes no sense whatsoever. Um, but, and I certainly wouldn't be offering him a new contract, but I would say that if he's quite happy to see out his contract, then he'll sit there and play second fiddle to to, to young uh, Rid Van Yilmaz, I would imagine. But, I don't see him wanting to do that. That's that's the thing that uh, that kind of gets me about Bond. I, I think he would much rather be playing. Um, as for it, it, the rest of the 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 list that you gave there, yeah, totally agree. Uh, did you put Yanis Hadji in that list? Yeah, I didn't put Yanis Hadji on the list, but he's... yeah, I, I must admit, I would I would be and I, I, I like Yanis Hadji as a player. I would be open to offers for Giannis Hadji as well. He's, he's one that I would include in the kind of caveat that I gave about uh, if a decent offer comes in. Uh, anything between five and eight million for Giannis Hadji, I would drive him to the airport myself. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't think we would get that, but I, if you could get five million right now, I would bite your hand off for it, to be honest. And yeah, it's, it's the easiest deal in world football to do. Chap, uh, chap Galatasaray's door and say, do you want the boy? Um, and he, you know their connection with, with Georgie Hadji and it's it's the easiest and most obvious deal in world football for me. But um, And I'd be delighted if he got that move, actually. But it's I think Michael Beale maybe just wants another year of him. That's, that's my opinion. But if, I, if an offer comes in and just simply can't refuse, then it, it will be bye-bye Yanis. But Andrew, you want to come in here? Yeah, I think Hadji's an interesting one. I think in a in a universe where we sign Malik Tillman and he's coming back in, Hadji's future looks a lot shakier because then he's in a position where he's competing with Tillman and Lowry and Cantwell for a starting position. Instead, he's competing against Cantwell and Lowry at the moment. So I don't think he's a nailed-on player to be staying. I don't think he's a dead cert to go out the door either. Certainly, I think if an offer comes in, that means that we make a significant profit on him. We paid three million quid for him. But if we have an opportunity to double that money, I think Michael Beal maybe takes a look at it and goes, yeah, that that's maybe a, a smart decision. I, I feel very bad for Hadji as well, because he is clearly someone who's very passionate about playing for this club. Um, he's still one of the players who's given me one of my favourite descriptions of Ibrooks, which is, uh, it's just different, man. Um, but he is going to be one of these guys who is unfortunately a victim of circumstance. He missed out a full season's worth of football, realistically speaking, and he's in a 
position where, again, you have a young player coming through who wants to ideally make his breakthrough this season. So he's he's a potential to go out, but I don't think he's nailed on to leave. I think it's very dependent on if we bring in anyone else in that position or if we get the offer from Galatasaray, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I would I would I would agree with that. Um so that pretty much concludes our kind of state of play at the moment. Rangers will be returning this week to pre-season and then the, the friendly matches will start. We'll report kind of intermittently on the friendly matches. We'll sort of kind of pick and choose them, but we will have a few. Um, we'll try and get one podcast out a week uh, at the very minimum um, between now and the next couple of weeks before pre-season really ramps up and then the, the real stuff starts. Um, we'll have a few specials lined up as well, so we'll get them out. Um, but we are back, so that's us back now in full throw and um, there'll be no stopping until the first international break. Um, and hopefully between now and the first international break, Rangers can get that first all from uh, victory, can get qualification to the Champions League um, and everything starts off rosy. That's got to be the aim, guys. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's me being positive. I'm, I'm trying my best here. I sounded it, man. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. That's, 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 the, that's the thing. If it's any plausible, I'm really good at this. But no, in all seriousness, um, the... the, the the Champions League for me isn't the be all and end all this season, and in many ways, I actually want Europa League because of the carrot of the world, the club world championship. Um, big season for us in that regard. We have to get our coefficient spot on, and we're not going to get that in the Champions League. So, not going to be a complete and utter disaster to drop into Europa League because we got the Europa League as part one. Um, so in an ideal world, that that is the outcome that. I ideally would want, but then that's me kind of wanting Rangers to get beat, and that's me kind of wanting Rangers to lose a bit of guaranteed income. So it's it's a real difficult situation, this because I mean, let's talk about it just before we go. That this um, FIFA Club World Championship thing is a real it's a real shot in the arm, isn't it? It's came from nowhere. It's very very realistic, um, and it's in our hands, albeit. If it's in our hands in the Champions League, we could be shooting ourselves in the foot. So, what do we do? It's 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 a dilemma. It's a potential fifty million quid that we didn't think was going to come. I mean, that's I mean, just on the face of it, the more prize money than we've received for pretty much any competition we've ever played in. Um, so, for me, it's a no-brainer to try and get there. I think in terms of how we go about doing it, what we all predicted, I think almost to a man last season was that we would get into the group stages of the Champions League, we have a respectable showing, but probably end up finishing third, and we drop into the Europa League. Now, that's not, that's for me, absolutely not the worst case scenario at all. Um, There's alternative routes into the Europa League, at least as things stand right now, in terms of, I think, if we fail our qualifying round, I don't know if it's the third or the playoff qualifying round. if If we fail the Champions League at any stage, we're straight in the Europa so okay. we've All got right. Europa League football guaranteed regardless of what happens in the Champions League. So it's that thing, right? Do you push to try and get yourself into the Champions I mean, fuck, what's the worst case scenario here? We overperform and do too well in the Champions League? I don't think that's a bad thing for a season, no, right? Actually, it I get what you mean, right? Like we're in a situation where we're... We're too good for the Europa League, but we're too shit for the Champions League. Yeah, you're riding that fucking line. Um, it is what it is. I think ultimately, 
you can't overthink this kind of thing. You can't strategize on the basis of it. Michael Beal is certainly not going to set out a team to play that way. We can talk about our ideal scenario 100%, but ultimately the best thing that we can do is try and win every game that we're in because any Europa League, oh, fuck, any uh, coefficient points that we can get on the board make sure that us getting into that Club World Cup competition is far more likely. So any any coefficient points we have on the board add towards that. Part of that's going to include those qualifying rounds. So ultimately, I think we've just got to try our hardest and, you know, hope that Celtic do exactly as well as they normally do in Europe, which is talk a big game and shit themselves spectacularly. To be be honest, uh, there's nothing Celtic can do to, um, you know, overtake us. Literally, they would literally probably have to win the Champions League um, or even the Europa League to overtake us in the coefficient. So I, I Chris, know St. Brendan's back and apparently yeah. he's going to win the whole fucking thing. And <laughs> all that. is forgiven as well. Uh, yeah. So it's very well, exciting. Look, I read somewhere that the, the, somebody had done a little bit of maths on this and they reckoned that we needed about 10 coefficient, point, coefficient points to guarantee entry. Uh, for this, uh, but to put that into context, Kenny, we we get four and a half last season or five and a half. So that that yeah, ten... but that's exactly what I was going so to say. You if get we win you get one five. or two games, then yeah, you get five bonus points for entering the Champions League. Um, you will have two qualifiers. Uh, if you were to happen to get through both of them, then the chances are you would have won at least one game, probably two minimum. If you understand, you know, you can go through with draws and a penalty kicks or whatever, but the chances are you're, go- you're going to win one or two of those games. Uh, I think that's worth 0.8 of a point, isn't it? It's about that. It's yeah, about I'm sure it is. It's 0.8 of a point. Um, that would give you, what you know, in the Champions League, you're going to find it hard to get to those t- that 10 points. That's, that's the bottom line. Whereas in the Europa League, you might well find if you could drop out at the, the playoff stage, and you take your £5 million parachute payment and get a very decent run in the Europa League, then you might make the 10 points. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. I, I, it's not that we're guaranteed to need 10 points. It's just that it, I think the 10 points will pretty much guarantee us the position by going by the, the positions of the teams that are in uh, in situ to perhaps overtake us. There's, there's a lot of things at play here. The, the Champions League um, this season, uh, I've seen the seedings. There's a potential to get an absolute real, real bastard of a draw. Yeah. There's also a potential to get... A, there's a potential, and I'm not even... I'm really, really not getting ahead of myself. I would say the same for Celtic. There's a potential here to get into the last 16 of the Champions League because the Pot 1 and Pot 2, there is, I think, Feyenoord are in Pot 1, Porto in pot two, Rangers would be in pot three, and then you have Copenhagen in pot four. Are you trying to tell me Rangers can get that group? Of course they could. They've got a harder yeah, group. Yeah, they could. So um, th- there is like few potential there for either to have a right bastard draw or a right go at this last 16. Now, I'm not saying that last 16 is realistic because on the face of it, the, our, show, our disgraceful show in last season would suggest it's not, but... Um, that, that, this is what I'm saying. There's so many different scenarios. So Rangers are in pot three, which when you look at it, that should be six points because we're better than the pot fours. But then in pot four, you also have uh, Union Berlin and you have Newcastle. So you don't want to get either of the two, of course. But the rest of the pot four teams are in the great shakes. Um, let's just use 
kind of Copenhagen as an example again, um, get them in pot four. I mean, we should be looking at minimum four points there. That should be enough to get us a third place, drop into Europa, and then boom, from there, we should get the 10 points. But on the flip side of thing, Kenny, your scenario, we get beat in the Champions League playoff, we get the five million quid for that, we drop into Europa League, we're, we're first seeds, we're top seeds. So you're almost guaranteed pretty much before a ball's kicked that we're going to have European football after Christmas and then we'll get to the 10 points. My worry is we have the same Champions League campaigns we did last year. We shoot ourselves in the foot and that's it fucked. So I'm so conflicted because I really, really want this FIFA World Club Championship thing. This is something that we'll never get again. This is Yeah, a- and my point for mentioning this was because this is going to be a pretty new team uh, and a pretty, like, a pretty brand new team going into the Champions League is not going to find it easy. It will find it easier in the Europa League. So it is a proper dilemma because we all want Champions League. Of course you want there. You want to be there. It's where every club and every supporter wants to watch your team. Um, But then again, I'm kind of like you. Aye, that's true. But we can get the opportunity of that every year where you're only getting the opportunity of this World Club Cup or uh, Club World Cup, I beg your pardon, every four years. They, they are trying to make this a massive, massive tournament that will perhaps uh, outgrow the Champions League in terms of the prestige of it. So, Kenny, I just think the idea of a winter tournament, a, a club World Cup in kind of November, December, we take a break for the league and then we just focus on this new thing where we get a lot of money. Uh, you're playing all these different teams, teams that we'll probably never play again, like for South America, Africa, uh, Asia. Um, it's in the States, isn't it? United States, we'll take a big following. Yeah. Um, the prestige of it. The money's like the mo- the least important thing for me. I, I, obviously, it's a massive bonus, but it's the prestige of it. It's the excitement of it. It will attract a better calibre of player. And you know what? We can say that we've we done that. Um, it's came from nowhere, but it's got my it's got my juices flowing, I'll be honest. And and I just hope we get there because um, now that that's been dangled in front of me, by the way, I need to mention that as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that if we qualified for it, UEFA moved the goalposts. <laughs> I'm fully expecting that as well, to be honest. They, they can. It's, it's a FIFA competition. They've told them that's oh, what that's the way it works. Uh, you you will have your four Champions League winners and your top eight um, coefficient uh, from the, the different countries, yeah. from, from eight different countries. That's the way it will work. So the top uh, four teams, uh, sorry, the, the top four countries will have two teams in it effectively because the, the, the way that these teams are all, you know, these clubs are always winning the Champions League. It's Chelsea, Real Madrid, uh, sorry? Man City. Man City and uh, is it Chelsea, isn't it? Bayern, I think, is the only team. Is it Bayern? Yeah, um, it is Bayern. You're right. I think um, it's absolutely fantastic idea. And I'm, I'm like you. I, I would love it. I would genuinely love to get there. And it's made me kind of look at, as you say, the the, the notion of not wanting the the Champions League this year is quite mental. But uh, you know. I think it might, if we do get the, the Champions League, it might harm our chances of getting there. Yeah, yeah, that's my worry, but like, we'll see. We'll take what we can get at this present moment and we'll look at the kind of longer game, keep an eye on that, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But listen, thanks guys, first podcast back, it's been a long one. Um, obviously, we had quite a long discussion before we even on air tonight, so um, thanks very much uh, for, for giving me your time. Uh, Kenny, thanks very much, mate. Not at all, mate, enjoyed that. Good to be back. 
And uh, Andrew, thanks to you. No, no, cheers, Chris. And I want to, I know that you will do this as well, but I want to thank the listeners in particular for sticking with us because uh, even though we haven't released anything for the past 30 days, we've still had a really good month in terms of downloads. So thank you to everyone who decided to keep listening to the podcasts, even though we weren't producing anything. Um, incredibly grateful. Can't say enough about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we are still on all social media platforms. Hopefully grow that over the next season. Um, so we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Apple Music, uh, sorry, Apple Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, easy for me to say. We're on Amazon Music um, and you can find us and all that. It's just Saturday free and you'll find us there. And uh, just kind of reiterate what Andrew says. Thanks very much for continuing to obviously listen to us, even though we've not been producing it. And it's quite a big surprise to us. So um, numbers are good, but we hopefully can kick on now and, and, and get stronger as the season goes on, both in podcast terms and on football terms on the pitch for Rangers. Um, so as I say, we will be back uh, next week as well. We'll have at least one a week. Um, up until pre-season really ramps up so join us in and thank you very much for joining us now